The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You said what you're feeling is juicy joy. Juicy joy, juicy joy, juicy joy, juicy joy, juicy joy, juicy joy, juicy joy. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Hey, beautiful listeners. I'm so glad to hear from so many of you lately about your powerful experiences with the recent home play we've been doing. I love knowing that thousands of us around the world are embarking on these weekly experiments together. I hope you feel the power of that combined energy. I know I feel it and I am so, so thankful for all of you. We've talked with quite a few guests lately who have just incredible spiritual gifts that they're sharing with the world and today is no different. I can't wait to dig around with our highly accomplished guest, Lisa Campion. Lisa is the author of The Art of Psychic Reiki and Energy Healing for Empaths. She's a psychic counselor and Reiki master teacher with over 25 years experience. She's been teaching Reiki for over 20 years and trained more than a thousand people in Reiki, conducting more than 15,000 individual sessions. She's also the host of the podcast, The Miracle of Healing, right here on this network where Do Joy is hosted, Mind, Body, Spirit, FM. She specializes in training emerging psychics, empaths, and healers so that they can fully step into their gifts since the world needs all the healers it can get. Hallelujah that, sister. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> so such a pleasure to be with you and to be on your amazing show. Thank you. Thank you. I know I've been poking around in all of your stuff. We've crossed paths in lots of, of ways. So this is this yeah. is something that we've kind of circled around each other at the Institute for Creative Living and on the network. And I've uh, looked at some of your your beautiful things that you put out there. And I love we have so many similarities in our backgrounds. I learned TM at a very, very young age as well. Wow. Not as young as you, not at 10. Cool. But um, I, I learned it in New York in the late 70s. Also got to meet Maharishi Mahesh Yogi at a super young age. So I thought that was a, a fun similarity. And just that whole package of 
you know, feeling like you're an alien on the planet. I can't tell you how many of my podcast guests, particularly lately, have had that phrase come out of their mouths talking about their childhoods. And it's, it's yeah. just so funny that everybody thinks that they're the only one in the world who feels that way until we get <laughs> old enough to find tribe and realize that we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, right? Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I suspect that many of my listeners are empaths. I don't know that. I just have a hunch. And for the ones who maybe aren't super familiar with that term or would just maybe like some more clarification, tell us what what it means to have empathic traits. I know you're an expert on this. Yeah. So it's one of my kind of, you know, helping psychics and empaths are kind of my two two things that I really love to do the most. And mostly because when I was growing up, there wasn't any language for this. There wasn't a lot of vocabulary or words. We, Like you said, we all just thought we were aliens. And, you know, it wasn't until I was an adult that I had a word for that. But empaths are like the psychic sponges of the world. And we it's different from the psychological concept of empathy, which is like, well, which is more like sympathy. We feel something, we see something, and it makes us go, oh, you know. We all, I think, experience that. But being an empath is different. It's really like... We absorb the energy, thoughts, and feelings um, of other people, and we experience those as if they're happening to us, you know, and when, until we learn how to tell the difference and really manage our energy can make living in the world really confusing and difficult. Like, you know, my kind of classic story about this, in the, the day the penny dropped, I was 17, it's so my first semester of college, I went to a giant state kind of party school, UMass Amherst. And I went to this house party, and there was this, uh, I sat next to this guy, he was like literally crying into his beer. He was like, oh, I'm so sad. And as I sat with him, I could feel myself like getting oh, more and more sad, more and more depressed. And eventually I was like, I've got to leave this party. Like, what is wrong with me? I was perfectly happy when I got here. Now I'm like suicidally depressed, and I don't even know why. And I got up and I left, and I... I just had that moment, you know, when you feel like spirit like moves, turns your head and I, I literally felt like turn around and look through the window and I looked through the window, I could still see him sitting on the couch crying into his beer, but I felt fine. And I, in that moment, I was like, oh, it's not me. It's not me. It's him. I'm feeling all of his stuff. You know, and I think I went back in, sat next to him, went back out, went back in like, and like, oh, and that was I mean, this was in 1982, so it was way before there was any, like, word for that. I just knew in that moment that it wasn't me. And that's a really typical experience for people that are empaths. Parties are difficult. Sometimes social situations can be challenging. Going into environments where there's a lot of emotion flying around, you know, or a lot of people just, you know, chaos, like airports, airplanes, hospitals movie theater, shopping, the mall at Christmas, all these things can be really like overwhelming our, to our our sensitivity because not only are we sensitive to these energies, but we're also maybe a little sensitive to stimulation, noise, music, sound, lights, all that kind of stuff can sort of overwhelm our kind of sensitive nervous systems. Absolutely. So, yeah. And we think that everybody must be the same right we don't know that that's a a thing that's sort of unique to us when you're in it you assume everybody's going through the the same experience yeah and and that's um you know that that sounds like kind of a a lucky 
thing that night that you were able to leave the party and not take it with you because I know sometimes empaths will carry that energy, right? And and still not understand you know what's going on because it's just mm. something that gets lodged in in the empath, right? Yeah, and it can be emotional stuff we carry home with us. It can be physical things. So we're often very prone to picking up the physical pain and suffering of other people. These, you know, I could have sat next to somebody that had a migraine and come and come home with a migraine <laughs> instead of a case of depression, you know, because um, we can do that. And that and then and I think until we learn how to manage our energy as sensitives, we um, feel like we're crazy. We don't we can't tell the difference between ourselves and what other people and what's going on in the world. Empaths usually have a lot of depression, anxiety, sometimes addictions um, that we use addictive stuff to kind of turn off the you know, our own feelings and, and just the getting, you know, we just need to find the op switch for, for many people until they learn addictions are it. And also physical problems, physical health problems that until we learn how to flush that all through us and let go of it, we can kind of, it can accumulate. And empaths often sort of have fragile health, you know, or get sick kind of easy, get, you know, every bug that passes by. And all of that can feel, you'd be like, why would anybody want to do this? Why would we want to be this way, you know? But I think there are things we can do to learn how to manage our energy. And that, and then at that point, we can understand that it really is the gift, and it's the gift of the healer. So if you think about being able to sense what other people are feeling, thinking, and experiencing in their body, that it's like having built-in MRI x-ray machine inside of you that's like a diagnostic tool for healers. So every empath I met is destined to do healing work in some way. Maybe as a mom or as a, you know, customer service representative. It doesn't mean they have to have a practice like I do, but they're going to we're going to bring that ability to create change and healing in other people wherever we go. Mhm. For sure. And, and there are specific tools that people like you can help empaths with to understand that it's more gift than curse, because I do think before we understand mm. it, it's definitely a curse. It I is. had empathic tendencies completely like off the charts my whole childhood, young adulthood. I was just thought, you know, because it goes back to there's something horribly wrong with me, right? When yeah, you, when you just absolutely. feel that that's what's going on. And, you know, luckily, I, I've learned a lot of tools that allow me to mostly love being out in the world with people. Casinos is the one place where I still just cannot even walk into a casino for some reason. That's Casinos. a different energy. Even I for... get it. And yeah. actually, Costco. Costco is not good for me. <laughs> See, I kind okay, of I get Costco. it with casinos. Yeah, casinos have a lot of really dense negative energy around them. And I, yeah. I think they hold the energy of addiction really strongly, you know, and that's a really – and. Um, people that have that are struggling with addiction often have entities or sort of dark spirits with them too, and it, it's kind of a low, lower vibration, a little edgy place to be for us sensitive people. I find hospitals really challenging. Right. Yeah, hospitals. I never. I, I. I think everyone who's there is like miserable, ill, stressed out, afraid, you know, yeah. and um, there's a staff people who are in there, like the families of the people who are in there. And then there, it's spiritually difficult because there's a lot of wandering around dead people mm. in hospitals. And I'm like, oh boy. Like as soon as I walk in, I see them and I'm, yeah. Anyway, so, so, so that you're right. Empathy about, to a whole other level there. <laughs> I know, that's like crazy stuff. So, <clears throat> the, but to answer your question, there are some things we can do. 
And they're pretty simple. We need to learn how to clear the energy that we pick up from other people. We need to learn how to fill ourselves because if you think about a sponge, a sponge absorbs, but it also leaks. So empaths often are tired and fatigued. So we need to learn how to replace our lost energy. We need, and we need to kind of create a boundary around us. That's, we have a habit of being a sponge. We need to change that habit into being, um, boundaried. You know, and because I was a Reiki practitioner and an energy medicine practitioner for so long and and can really perceive people's energy fields pretty easily, I noticed that empaths have this spongy boundary. Like, and so one of the best and easiest things we can do is like kind of like a guided meditation where we, a breathing and meditation technique where we release on your exhale breath, you, you, Squeeze the sponge, you drop everything you picked up that's not yours down your spine and down your legs and out the bottoms of your feet and into the ground. And on your inhale breath, you refill yourself with light from from God, from heaven, from divine sources. So you're kind of plumping up your energy field again. And then you imagine, pretend, visualize that you're inside a bubble and the bubble is something a little more solid than a sponge, you know, um, and that that's our literally our energetic boundary between us and the world and it's like maybe 10 breaths that I, I can do it in now and I do that before I go into Costco <laughs> before I go in anywhere after I halfway through Costco and I'm like what do I I can't remember my name or why I'm here or where I parked my car you know um and and then after I get out, like all these sort of as needed, we do it daily to strengthen our energy field and then we do it as needed. And that's a game changer. It's so simple, so easy to do, these energy management practices. And I think that that gives us like a leg to stand on that's a little more solid that we can start then practicing the more difficult boundary setting, psycho the psychological, like figuring out when to say no to people or how, how to, you know, not overgive all the time. Yes. When I yeah. first learned about the, the bubble, I know that helped me tremendously in the world, even with people that I, you know, loved very much and would never want to not have in my life. But I knew that they constantly drained me. Somebody, you know, a friend who always has drama happening, I would just put myself in that bubble. And I like to make mine a one-way permeable bubble so that nothing can come in. I'm I'm all solid in my own energy that I'm circulating, mm. but I can send love out and I can try That's to affect beautiful. others going out. And that does make a huge difference. That one huge difference. become automatic for me. Yes. And once it's automatic, um, and once these these declaring, filling, protecting, grounding, grounding is another really important one. Um, once those are more automatic, we can be free to move around the world in a you know, in a much, you know, more masterful way. And I think what happens with empaths until we learn that, it's like our life gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and it's, it's not very empowering. Well, there's like three things I can do that don't blow my circuits. So I can stay home with my cats and watch Netflix and then garden. That's all I got. You know? <laughs> and, and okay, those are, those are fun things. I love to do those things. Um, but if that's all you can do, cause and everything else blows your circuits, that's not an empowering place. And we can't really, we're meant to help people. So there's a catch-22 here that I find empaths have sort of this kind of spiritual depression because they can't fulfill their purpose. Mm. You know, um, what you're not going to do the world much good. If it, I mean, you might do your cat good, mm. some good, but 
you can't leave your house, you can't fulfill your function. And, and so I find that there's a um, beautiful thing happens for empaths when they learn, when they master those skills is that all of a sudden they are like, I'm going to get a job in the hospital doing, you know, Reiki on people in, in, in at the end of life, or I'm going to, you know, hold the babies in the NICU, or I'm going to go volunteer in the soup kitchen or whatever it is that, that our spirit is calling us to do. It's something beautiful happens when we when we get ourselves out of the line of fire because all those things put us in the line of fire but it's healers are meant to help people and that means we go into some dark places sometimes and if we don't have those energy management skills it's very 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 difficult or even impossible it feels like kind of an ironic pairing that the people who are meant yes. to serve are also the ones who are do you think you know, the, in that that sense that like our, our souls choose these paths for us. Do you think that that that's why empaths are that's part of the the journey is to learn these these grounding and shielding skills? In I order, do. You know, for the evolution of humanity, we all need to have these skills. Yeah, we need to learn boundaries and all those ways, whether it's an energetic boundary or a psychological boundary, or, or like there's boundary, boundary, boundary. We're all in boundary school. If you're an empath, and for me, that's been a lifelong you know, process and kind of everything that every new stage of my life has given me an opportunity to up level my boundaries because suddenly the ones I had don't work at all anymore, you know, and I have to figure it all out again. Um, and there's, there, there's something very growthful there for us, you know, that we're, there's a lot of evolution we can have as we lean into, and it's so edgy and difficult for us. It feels so mean when you're an empath to set a boundary and it's not really, it's really kind for both us and the people that we're interacting with. I am so thrilled to hear you say, A, that you still continue to hit new growth spots with it. I, my listeners know, I had a doozy this year where I really thought I have done all this boundary work and I'm so boundaried and I'm fine. And I had a a really big incident with family of origin. So it was like Mm -hmm. nobody in my day-to-day life, but some old, old wounds that needed to be reopened for healing. And, um, you know, I was kind of beating myself up about like, how did I attract this? Where did this come from? You know, but I think it was just that next level, right? It's just the universe knows you're ready. It knows there's still that wounding in there. And it just rips off that Band-Aid for you to go to that next level. Yeah, but I'd love absolutely. you to talk more about how it's good for all parties involved because still still being in this growth spurt this year, I still feel, oh, but can't I save them? <laughs> you know? Mm, I know. I know. Of course we want to. Of course we want to save people. And, you know, as empaths, we have such big, beautiful, compassionate hearts. It's so painful for us to see people suffer, especially if they're like our children or your family, your parents, your siblings, like our inner circle people and anyone we don't want to see suffer. And yet, like you wouldn't, you know, if you're a mom, like you wouldn't do your kids homework for them. Because if you do, they don't, I mean, we wouldn't always do it 100% of the time. Maybe you'd help them. I made but... a face. Y'all didn't see that, but I'm like, oh, I think I was guilty of doing my kids' homework occasionally. But no, you're right. I shouldn't you know, do my they, kids' homework. Because then they get to the test and they don't know what to do. Right. Do you know what I mean? And that sort of, um, we just have very codependent tendencies because the feeling of other people's suffering causes us so much pain. We want to, I'll do anything to make you stop suffering so that I don't have to suffer because you're suffering. And that sort of, you know, codependency um, 
comes from this incredible kindness and compassion we have, but it, it doesn't really help the other person grow. When we're doing codependent stuff, we're, we're preventing that person from experiencing the results of their actions. And we all learn as humans by allowing cause and effect, you know, to, to impact us. That's actually, I think, how we learn the best, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't really serve people by disconnecting them from this cause and effect. If you act this way, this is what happens, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you know, there's a lot written about codependency. I'm sure you've talked about it on your show a ton. And, you know, we know, we know, we know that it doesn't serve, right? And also the other thing I think we can think about is that it doesn't actually feel good. Like, like I'm sure you've been in the position when somebody else said yes when they should have said no. And then you feel it. It like you're like, oh, she said yes, but it feels weird. Now there's now I think she doesn't like it and she doesn't want to. And did I do something wrong? And why is there a weirdness in the relationship right now? And and it's feels kind of icky to the other person when you said yes and you really didn't want to. You really should have said no. When we can say no, this is a this was a really hard one. This was my hardest one to learn. When we say no, we're really trustworthy. And we're never 100% trustworthy until people can trust us to say no. Yeah, that's beautiful. I get that. You know? Yeah, it's hard, hard, hard because no seems so mean and selfish. We're, we're just conditioned that way, right? Do we come in that way with our empathic tendencies or do you think it's conditioning or a combination? I think it's both. I think it's both. I think it's our nature, but I also think as you know, as humans, as women, we're, you know, especially as women, we're taught that being selfish is bad and we serve our purposes to serve and help. And I mean, I, when I was growing up, being told you were selfish was like the worst mm-hmm. thing anyone could say to you. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that person, she's so selfish. <gasps> you know, ah! you know, that was like being, it was like being a leper. Right. So that, you know, we, we just don't want to do that. And yet, you know, we need to be full. And I find for myself, if I keep my energy tanks full, if I give to myself first, which is really hard for me a lot of the times, even though I know better, I end up being then full and giving is joyful. Giving is keeps me in that state of joy, you know. And if I'm trying to give from an empty tank, it's just tor- torture. It's creates anxiety and illness. I've crushed my health like a couple of times, you know, when I've chronically given, 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 given from an empty place. And it was like the second or third time I had a health crisis. I was like, really, I cannot do this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, wake up um, yeah, super wake up call. And then I'm like, all right, I'm, even though it feels weird and I have to deal with this whole selfish thing and I don't like, you know, I have to do all this kind of like reprogramming myself. I'm going to keep myself full. And then, and then all of a sudden, I'm in a state of joy. Giving is joyful. Yeah, because energetically, a puzzle piece is going to attract a corresponding puzzle piece, right? So overgivers are always going to attract overtakers because mm-hmm. that's what matches our, our edges. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So you have to change that shape. Change the shape of puzzle piece that you are to attract mutual, mutually beneficial right. relationships. Yes, And I think that for empaths, a lot of times we don't even know when we're in that 
area where we should be setting a boundary because it's just become the water that we swim in, right? Are there any telltale signs that, that we can look around and say, oh, wait, I think I'm, I'm out of balance here? Yeah, I think it's feeling resentful. Yeah. So um, I, resentment's a big red flag that you're chronically overgiving into a situation. And if you're feeling, I, I recommend doing it, I call it the resentment inventory regularly and noticing when you feel like if you were to sit down and write down everything in your life that you were feeling resentful for, you would have some really great information about where you need to reset your boundary, um, where you need to, maybe you don't need to belong to that committee anymore. Maybe, you, you know, you've got to like reanalyze the situation and step back and reset your boundary. So I think that's the biggest one, resentment, anger, sometimes anger happens more when people cross our boundary, like they really are like, you mm -hmm. know, and they're coming for you. Um, we t anger can be like, hey, you crossed my boundary. And the other thing is, I think about this is it's it's a real moving target. And a lot of times I don't know where my boundary is until I cross over it myself. I'm like, I think that's going to be okay. I say yes, and I think it's a yes. And then when I'm in it, I'm like, oh, wait a second. You know, this doesn't feel right. It didn't feel good. thought it was going to be okay. It's not. And I think it, we need to have permission to kind of renegotiate, um, reanalyze, re re, like redo these things on the fly. And that's m my biggest lessons and aha moments have come on, on just crossing, stepping over my own boundary and not knowing it until I've done it. And then I feel weird. I don't feel, I'm like, oh, this feels icky. That's such a, a good example. I know exactly what you mean by that. For me, I think what it often is, it's it's sort of just um, semantics almost. It's like, it's something that I intend to give or offer because it makes me feel good to do that. But the resentment comes when it's like demanded of me or just like expected in some aggressive way. It's like, you know, I wanted to do that. I really thought that that was going to feel good to do that. But now all of a sudden I feel resentment around it. And it's not yeah. about like that I even didn't want to do it. I wanted to do it. But just certain people have those sort of aggressive expectations that make me right, resentful. Or entitlements or, yeah. you know, like, and, you know, I, in my book, I talk a lot about the energy vampires, just, yeah. you know, being the, those, some of us are wired towards giving and some of us are wired towards taking and that's okay. That's kind of how, the, the, that's a polarity that sort of makes energy flow um, on the planet. But when it gets, it can go really down the rabbit hole of dysfunction and into the extreme ends of that polarity and then we have a big problem. And I'm sure that every empath has had that person, like you were saying, that really drains you or that really damages you if we have you know long-term relationships with with these people um and we can we can sort of swap out the word narcissist with the word energy vampire and kind of get a good sense and there, there's sort of polarity that that's two ends of the puzzle pieces like you loved how you described it that way that that often come together and that i think there's some potential magic there like every energy vampire narcissist has an opportunity to open their heart to learn empathy to become softer um and maybe they do maybe they don't but to come they need to take a step towards being towards us and become more empathic we need to take a step towards them or there's this invitation to do that to become better boundary you know and when we meet in the middle there's something psychologists called healthy narcissism which as far as I'm concerned, just means you have good sense of self and good self-esteem. 
Mm, that's beautiful. So that, that rub off effect, we can benefit one another when we try to find that balance that's yes. either one. I think that's the point. And then sometimes we get these extreme situations where we really just have to cut and run um, because there's there, that person isn't interested in, in learning, you know. And when that does happen, we still are invited to set that boundary. We're always, that invitation is always there for us. Um, and again, boundary school. So you think an empath learning to set clear boundaries can actually benefit the energy vampires that would be drawn to them. They'll they'll sense that boundary and it'll help maybe adjust where they are. Yeah, I think people honestly don't feel safe when they can't feel your boundary. Mm-hmm. And the children are certainly like that. You know, when they don't know where the boundary is, they don't feel safe. And so having kind, compassionate, firm, consistent boundaries tends to make everyone settle down and feel safe. But if you're a boundary, and the other thing is about boundaries, there's a lot of sort of, it's getting better, but when I first started talking about empaths, there was kind of this blame the energy vampire kind of like, oh, you know, like, it's your problem, like, you know, and we were just kind of ready to like throw holy water and garlic on people that, <laughs> that were kind of like, you know, and the truth is like, no, no one can do deal, do your boundaries except for you. It, and this, I found, I find this also an incredibly empowering stance to take. Like your boundaries are your job. You, we train people how to treat us. And if we don't like how we how we train them to treat us, we can change that, you know. Um, but I found like it, you know, this idea of like expecting everyone to feel what your boundary is and honor it, and then feeling all victimized and and upset if they don't. That's not that's not very empowering, and it's completely unrealistic. But when we switch that around and be like, I'm the, I'm in charge of my own boundary, woo, you know, like, and we can then. Um, again move about the world sort of be the boss i stopped being afraid of people almost completely when i trusted myself to be able to hold a boundary yeah. you know what i mean and I, that was so liberating and i sort of fell in love with humanity again instead of seeing like everyone is a potential problem <laughs> you know or a potential like you're gonna suck all my energy ah you know yeah. and you know i i we we, we do experience that when we're learning, but let's move out of that phase and move into this more empowered stance where people are just, they're just doing themselves and it generally has nothing to do with you. They're not trying to get you. They're not, they don't sit down and go, how can I suck the life out of Lisa today? <laughs> you know, right. um, they, for the most part, they're just hustling and doing the best they can like we all are. And, and when we can trust ourselves to set boundaries, life is beautiful. Again, joy happens. People are amazing once again. And that was that was an incredible uh, revelation for me. Yeah, that's that's what all empaths are working toward, right? To that, yeah. that's the goal, that's the moment. And yes. I always think too, if, if we're the ones changing, if the empaths are the one who are you know, on this spiritual growth path, this journey to, to get better boundary, we can't really, expect people who knew us when we were that corresponding puzzle piece to be up on where we are right now they're going to come at us with that same energy that they've always been able to expect that was the deal you know and then right. we're the one who are, who are changing the rules so you can't really blame them yeah that's kind of like that um we we train them how to treat us 
we can untrain them. We can train them to treat us a different way. It can be challenging to do that, but if we're kind, consistent, compassionate, firm, it's totally possible. Even your children, even your spouse, even your mother, mother mother-in-law, like all those tricky, your boss, all those tricky relationships that we have. um, You know, we, it's, it it just, it's an energetic thing and um, a vibe thing inside of us that when we shift that, it changes the way people interact with us. Yeah, I get that. Totally. Something that's always been comforting to me too. I don't know where you stand on this, but it's that spiritual principle. I know Neil Donald Walsh talks about it. A lot of spiritual teachers put forth that idea that before our souls come here, we make these soul contracts with one another. Yeah, so absolutely. Like, if, if my soul had said, wow, this incarnation, I really want to grow my capacity for forgiveness and unconditional love and knowing my own worth and knowing my worth independent of others attempts to harm me, then maybe this soul that I'm making a contract with before we get here says, okay, I'll come down and be really hateful and horrible to you so that you can practice that and learn it and grow from it. And do you think that's what happens? Totally. Yeah, I think it's totally what happens. Yeah, and I was a martial artist, you know, in my early life, and I I still like boxing. I get in the boxing ring a lot, and and you know, we learn that that's a sparring relationship. You know, the Buddhists call them the noble friends. You know, that are there where you're like, oh, I got I got one. You got one in on me. Okay, I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna learn from that, and um, that that's we just sometimes need friction. We need friction in order to have these painful lessons, and and I do think that we often reserve the most painful ones to our deepest soulmates, you know, mm. to the, the people that we have the deepest spiritual connections with. Um, and when you, when you get on the other side, everybody gets back up to soul world to have in, you're like, thank you so much. You did such an awesome job, you know, terrorizing me or abusing <laughs> me or whatever. <laughs> and I learned so much. Thank you. Like, that's just how we roll. I love Sometimes. that vision. I love that vision because then it just, you know, if, if there is any resentment in there toward these people, you can just, you know, that just puts it to rest. You're going to slap them a high five and be like, good job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I heard you talk about old souls, middle souls, new souls in terms of where we fall in this empath spectrum. Is that something that you would like to elaborate on? Sure. I found that... Um, I just find it comforting and and sort of enlightening because when I began to see things that way, it took me out of the stance of judgment, um, where I, and understanding like so we're kind of like a third of the world is new souls, third of the world is middle soul, third of the world is old soul, and old soul and new soul are the kind of empath energy vampire polarity. So we t- we attract those people, and. You know, new souls come down here and they're really just trying to figure out humanity. They're really, if you know anything about the chakras, they're just in the lower three chakras. And it's it's a lot about power and money and status and not a lot of empathy, right? Um, and I, I've, before I came up with this theory, I was really in a, just an intense amount of judgment against people like that. You know, I was like, what's the matter with them? Like... You know, and, and a lot of them are like, they're in charge. They're the ones that are in charge. They're like, you know, end up in, because they care a lot about power, <clears throat> they end up in positions of power quite frequently. Um, and they also do some incredible things. They, they're they often the bringers of new information, of new ways of innovation, you know, into the planet too. And 
Um, and I thought, okay, if they're like kindergartners, and I was there, you know, not too long ago. All right, we gotta have boundaries when a when a toddler kindergartner has a temper tantrum. We set a boundary with them. We don't take it personally, but we have to have a strong boundary. And I was like, oh, okay. And I could feel compassion. I could feel appreciation in from I mean, instead of feeling judgment and pain, you know. Um, and then middle soul people, sort of like we rack up a lot of karma in our new soul days because we're just like, woohoo, like, yeah, I'm going to do like what I feel like doing. And I don't understand yet the consequences to what I do. Middle soul is a little, that's when the consequences catch up with us. And we, we get the bill. We have to we get the bill for the karma, um, you know, and we do it not as punishment. It's like, let's say in your new soul days, you were a slave owner. Because owning slaves is a really great way to get rich. And then your middle soul, you're, you decide before you get here that you want to understand. You want to learn compassion. You want to understand that experience. So you decide then to have an experience where you are disempowered, enslaved in some way. And in that experience, you're like, wow, this really, really, really sucks. <laughs> and it really sucks for me. Therefore, it sucks for everyone else who's ever experienced that I'm never doing that again. And these heavier lifetimes that we have are actually how we learn compassion for, you know, for the human condition. We kind of work through a lot of that in our middle soul days, two on the other foot lifetimes, you know, and then we, we process that out until we hit our old soul days. And our old, that's where the empath, every empath is an old soul as far as I can tell. And we start being very connected to humanity, very connected to this felt and known sense that we're all interconnected. I can't hurt myself without hurting you. I can't hurt you without hurting myself. I can't, you know, we can't hurt the planet without hurting ourselves. We become very mindful and sensitive to the interconnectedness of all of us, you know. And from that place, we choose to serve humanity in the ways that's why we are called to the healing arts or be helpers and healers caretakers in some way um and and i i just think that i don't know for me it works as kind of a model for understanding human spiritual evolution and um and it gives also gives me hope and compassion for humanity mm, no it's beautiful it, it is just one more way to take the judgment out and the judgment yeah. isn't serving anybody's you know doesn't doesn't make the empath feel better to have all that judgment no so. no yeah yeah it's beautiful and is it more often the middle souls then who might be what i've heard you call situational energy vampires where maybe they're not yeah. like a through and through energy vampire but they're going to find themselves in situations where they default yes. to that or they can be the victim ones too like so i think a lot of what we do in middle soul days is work through our victim stance in life you know where we might have been a victimizer in our new soul days we're now feeling victimized or being victimized in our middle soul days so a lot of easing up out of middle soul is is graduating from victim school um and and real and finding empowerment like finding out figure out ways to be empowered i think as empaths the middle soul people are often the ones that show up uh as clients you know because they're they're in quite a lot of pain honestly and you know often um sort of snowed under with problems health conditions and mental illness or depression anxiety 
and so much of their attention is need to be focused on self-healing you know so as a healer i find they're 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 the ones that really need the support of the um they need the support of the empaths to bring you know and the healers to bring healing in to them um and it, it is i feel also tons of compassion for for that it's it's a real difficult wrestle but when we get to the other end of it it's super we become empowered mm, for sure yeah i mean yeah i think pain is so expansive for so many of us i had a lot a lot of pain in my younger you know childhood and young adult years that i feel like has given me that that same end of the spectrum capacity for joy it's like you have to know the one to be able to expand yes. into the other and I, I know that's true of so many of my friends in this business that i talk to and and um and yet it seems like there are and and then you can kind of understand the soul contract like i came here signing up for that pain because i wanted the potential for expansion i wanted to learn right. from that and, and let me feel the pain of others that much more poignantly that i want to help them but i feel like then there are so many other people who just seem to come here as magnets for pain who don't ever break out of that cycle is it because it's just not that this whole healing journey is still kind of a, a small segment of the population they get it and seek it out and and go for it is is that's what's needed now is just for for people who are in the healing arts to expand exponentially like i've heard you say we need more healers on this planet is that what yeah. will, will correct that imbalance i think it's sort of like um the, the it, when you're really in the middle of your middle soul we're just in that snowed under place you know where we're really experience we're working through our karmas we're experiencing we're breaking open in order to find that compassion you know for self and others and I, I just think it's sort of human nature that eventually we experience it our our pain has to outweigh our fear of change and when we're we get that sort of tipping point you know that's typically like a crisis um I love working with people that are in crisis because they're super motivated to change <laughs> and to do the work. And I, I just think it, we we pile it on, pile it on, pile it on, pile it on. Eventually, we're like, oh my god! I just I, now motivated because we're 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 afraid of change. We're, it's not easy to do that work, and we just have everyone has a tipping point. And if you're if they're not there, then they're just kind of really in that snow and under place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I do think there's more and more people that are awake. I think a lot of healers incarnated on the planet right now to be part of this sort of shift in human consciousness that we're going through, and many have are are called. It's like a soul level calling, and our that calling is waking up inside of them, and they're the ones that are medit. I always say meditation, yoga, and Reiki are like the 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 opening um, for many people onto the spiritual pathway. So they're doing taking a meditation class or learning reiki and yoga they're doing these spiritual practices and studying and listening to podcasts like yours you know they become the spiritual seekers and and i love um working with people where, where they're awakening to their call as a healer but they we need help we need training we need community we need um support i didn't have that really when i was doing it because i started when i was 19 1987 or whatever way in the way back and there weren't there were not there was no none of this going on no podcast no books no internet no internet <laughs> you know like it, I was just on the skinny edges of the branches trying to figure out like how to how to do it without any help and it was hard and I 
I it was really hard. And I feel very passionately about helping other people take that same journey, but not have to do it the hard way that I like I did, Mm, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I feel like very often empaths have psychic abilities and psychics are naturally empathic. And yet these are two distinct two distinctly different things both of which you specialize in tell us what the the differences are there between being an empath and being a psychic well i would say that all empaths are psychic but not all psychics are empaths Mm. you know and um so if you are an empath you're psychic let's just put it that way and it i see that all of the both of those things is often being very powerful tools in the toolkit of the healer you know, so many of the healers I know are both empaths and psychics. And empath is really how we experience other people. You know, or maybe or maybe our animals. A lot of people have really strong empathic connections with our pets. You know, and psychic is more about how we experience the spiritual worlds. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I make a little distinction between intuition and psychic abilities. So intuition is like our inner knowing, your higher self, your own inner wisdom that's constantly giving you information about your environment, people you're around, situations you're in. And psychic is when we speak to things that are not us. So that would be like your spirit guides, your dead granny and your angels and, you know, the fairies and, you know, these other spiritual beings that are, that occupy our world with us that are here to help and assist so um, we usually start with developing our intuition and those things that happens quite naturally when we do like yoga Reiki meditation our intuitive forces and our psychic ability naturally grow but there are also things that need training especially the psychic if you want to um, increase your psychic ability you need training and um, people have this expectation in a way that it's just it's you have it or you don't have it and i i think it's more like athletic ability or music ability we have the potential for it we have the aptitude for it but we still have to practice study train practice every day you know work with teachers read books get knowledge and then we can develop those gifts to their fullest potential like even if you had like incredible music ability you still have to take lessons and practice every day right yeah yeah I, I, I feel that when personally I, I've been gifted to be in this community of spiritual people and I have so many friends who are wildly accomplished psychics and healers and professionals and all of them have always said to me, oh, you know, you have such gifts, you're, you're psychic. And I just never resonated with trying to do anything with it until this year. And it was a, a painful experience early in the year that, that just sort of opened that. And just with the smallest bit of tutelage and paying attention to it and trying to build it, it's been like, oh my gosh, this has been here all along. Like I'm so blown away to, to recognize that it is something that, that I actually can step into. Like it always seemed like this big, huge hurdle that like, ah, no, I don't identify that way, but it's not. It's just kind of a natural thing. It, it doesn't, doesn't take that much practice no. to refine no, it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't take that much practice, but it, sometimes we have to work through fear that we have around it. Sometimes we have to work through this, these misconceptions like only special people are psychic, only crazy people are psychic. I'm going to go crazy if I do that. People are going to think that I'm crazy. You know, I always, I always say there's only a few letters difference between psychic and psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people, that's the thing, you know, that we're worried about that. Um, so we have to kind of unblock ourselves. You have to 
take the foot off the gas. I mean, off the off the brake and put the foot on the gas in order for this to hop, you know, for us to happen. But uh, many people have the experience that you did, which it's so natural. It's so easy. It's all part of our everyday. It's so not a big deal. And so many people, I read just like a Gallup poll. I don't even know if they do them anymore, but they did a Gallup poll. They asked a bunch of people, like 80% of the people they asked had not only believed in psychic, but have copped to having the psychic experience. You know? And just think we are all sort of like, I'm not going to tell anybody. You know? So we kind of hide it and don't talk about it. And when we really discover we we see what happens to psychics if we watch horror movies and we're like ah that's not a good thing to be that always ends badly for the poor psychic in a horror movie right <laughs> um so i think we have to kind of debunk some of those myths and and really understand it's just part of our human nature it's part of our human birthright i'm not sure we would have made it we wouldn't have evolved as humans very far without this gift you know Good point yeah it really is it's more natural than just the average person in our day and age is led to believe that it is it's, that's right yeah it's happening it's happened 10 times already today and it's just we don't even think about it yeah human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I always give the listeners a um, home play, we call it. It's something to go practice in their week. I have an idea we could go back to, but before we go back to that, I wanted to see if you uh, had any suggestions or ideas for something that they could just kind of honor this conversation with something that they look for in their day-to-day experience or a practice that they could bring into their day-to-day this week. I think that it, it's the kind of energy management is the, the number one thing that people need to do. Ground, find a way to get grounded to clear yourself even if you're just taking a few breaths to clear yourself one of my tricks is to sneak into the the washroom um people give you a little space when you go into the ladies room you go to the bathroom right and do some breathing you know connect to your feet be grounded um drop all that you picked up into the wash your hands and i i, I do this like with this water i'm washing away any energy i picked up from other people you know and then re-bubble up and I think every time you go to the washroom, try that and see whether you notice a difference in your in your level of sensitivity, because that's the number one proc that it's life changing when you when you learn those skills, it can it will change everything, whether you're a psychic or an empath or a healer, every, all of us, all of us sensitive types need that skill. 
So let's just review bubble up for a minute for a step-by-step -step instruction. You're going to create this bubble. Yeah, so I usually like push my feet into the ground. I take a couple of breaths to really center myself and be in my body. If I'm feeling pain or stress or tension in my heart or belly, which is where I usually feel it, I breathe into those places and I'm like, okay, is this me? Is it not me? Whatever it is, I'm going to push it down and out of my body and into the earth. We ask the earth to compost it. Just like dump it into the planet. Thank you very much, planet, for composting it. And then when you feel clear, you just use your imagination, you know, intention to imagine that bubble around you and have it be something more solid than a sponge. So I, these days I'm really into the coconut shell. I'm like, Ooh. I want a coconut shell. I'm like, it's summer. Um, I want a coconut shell. <laughs> you change it out seasonally. I love yeah, it. <laughs> I change spots. Sometimes, you know, you can have a pumpkin or a crystal ball, whatever, castle ball, whatever image works for you. And I, I set my intention that I like your semi-permeable. I think that's per permeable in one direction. I usually set my intention to energy that's supportive to me can come in. Energy that's non-supportive has to stay on the other side and nothing crosses my boundary without my permission. Mm-hmm. I'm the boss of my boundary and resetting that doing that daily daily it's like taking your boundary to the gym and like muscling up you know building the strengthening the muscle there um, so it's really it can be that simple and we're saying use your imagination and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before but I feel like it bears repeating this this is actual energy work we like to say like yes. oh it's just my imagination what's that gonna do it's just my no yes we use our imagination as the tool to set intention and yeah move energy focus energy and, yeah yeah focus energy. and our our energy field responds really well to our imagination because imagination is a way of visualizing you know and if you're not a visualizer you can just intend you can declare speak it out loud you can you know there's many ways you, we can choose to focus our energy but um, our energy field is very responsive to our intention. Yes. We've, you we've know. talked about it from sciencey angles with quantum physics and the observation effect, but it is absolutely verifiable that us using our imagination to do something like this isn't what we've been trained to think is, oh, it's just your imagination. We're, you're just pretending nothing. and it's nothing's really happening. Right. That it's Yeah, it's not. that's not the case. Imagination is just sort of how we relate to the process of visualizing. Right. It's a tool and it's an effective yeah, tool that actually that is. works with energy. Yes, yeah. it really does. And so does breath. So it, combining those things with breathing it really is really helpful. So on the inhale, we absorb, we let, we connect with divine source. I just imagine I'm standing under like a, a spotlight of this pure divine energy that's coming in and filling me. Um, and I am, I use my breath to release the energy that I picked up that's not serving me or any of my own energy that's got to go. We got to squeeze the sponge. Like if we're a psychic sponge, we got to squeeze the sponge. And I use breath to do that, you know, um, and then and then bubble up. And that's really just super powerful. If you can shift the habit of being a sponge into into a habit of being more boundaried, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Oh, I love that. And I'm going to add an extra little home play for anybody who wants a gold star on their forehead and really knock it out of the park this week. I loved uh, what Lisa suggested earlier about 
take a look at where you're having resentments in your life. Make that list. We, we like to say, you know, go into dialogue with your wise inner knowing. We do this every week in, in joy school. We keep that connection open. Just sit in a meditative, quiet place, quiet way, and ask your wise inner knowing, where am I feeling resentments in my life? And make that list. And then you'll have this beautiful diagram of where you might want to put some attention on some boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, it's a valuable exercise for sure. Yeah, and I, I I am sort of like I've been doing that for so long that like monthly inventory like now I when it's happening in the moment, um I feel it. I'm like it's like the red flag that happens like, Oh wait, time out, you know, what's happening? So this isn't good, you know. Um and and so I catch it much quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more question. When if we are going through life, maybe got our little happy bubble up, but not being super aware, just kind of thinking that we're boundaried, we're good, we're happy, we're everything's great, and something sneaks in and we get a psychic attack, just a, a big old wallop of hate out mm. of nowhere, which I assume happens to other people, happened to me earlier this year, and it took me months and months and months to wring out the sponge, to shake that, because it was just so unexpected and unwarranted and just unbelievable in the life that I was living. How, how did this happen? Are there any tools when the sponge is, is kind of hard to wring out in a complete way that we can just put it behind us? I think that's when we need help. That's when I go to a healer. That's when I go, you know, I go to a therapist, I get a Reiki session, I get a healer, I go, I, I, call my, I hit the emergency button, you know, and call my resources in to help me because I think when we're that, um, you know, you know, when it's sort of that under the belt and I think these things do happen when they're related to our family of origin stuff and when they're past life stuff, when they're karmic issues, Mm. they just get in under the belt and it's an opportunity like you, you know, you said for a deeper level of healing than ever, but it's really hard to do on your own. And we can fall back into our spiritual practices, meditation, yoga, journaling, um, processing out the feelings often requires help. We, you know, that's what healers are for, um, therapists or whatever. You know, we, we, I'm hoping that everyone is cultivating sort of a list of, of, of these resources. So when we do come up against it, we all do, I do too, you know, and I have coaches and healers and all kinds of people around that for me when I need it. And um, so spiritual practice, processing through your emotions and getting help when you need it seem like the thing to do. Perfect. Yes, I was blessed with so many beautiful friends and healers. And yeah, that I don't think I could have wrung out that sponge without that. So I'm glad yeah. that you mentioned that, that there is always professional help when, when that's called for. Perfect. Yeah. Well, tell everyone how they can find you, follow up with you if you have anything coming up. Sure, yeah. So best way is just to visit my website, lisacampion.com. Um, I would love to hear from you. Drop a message. I have a lot of actually free resources on that on my website for empaths. So I have like a free four-hour video class on how on how to do actually all the things that we talked about today. So if you feel like you want more, you need more help with that, that's a really great place to start. But you know, I'm on, I'm on all the social medias too. You can find me there, but the website is the, the best way. And my book, um, Energy Healing for Empaths, you can find on Amazon. 
Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, I did just see that four-hour class. I downloaded it and I, I started. I'm like, oh, I got to take time to okay. go through this. This will be so awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any parting words, last thoughts, anything I failed to ask you that you'd like to share with us? Um, I just really want to thank you. Thank you, Lisa, for all the work that you're doing and um, this you know beautiful community you've created and for invite, inviting me to be a part of it. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy we finally stopped swirling around one another and, and connected. Beautiful. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, have a great day. Listeners, have a great week. I can't wait to hear how you do with the home play. As always, I love when you share that with me. And um, see you next week. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, find me at lisamccourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. See you next week for Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Much love. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.